what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So welcome to New Freedom. Welcome to Position of Neutrality. Come on in. If you're not in, we're going to get started right away because that's the signature of this group. We get started on time. All of 2023, we've been opening with a prayer because God is good. We have, a, we, we have Chaplain Lee in the house. He's going to come open us up. If everyone can please stand to your feet. Ah, this is a beautiful crowd. Father, we thank you again for tonight and everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything you're about to do. Tonight, God, as we prepare to step into step four, recognizing, Lord, that we have to search within, that we need to recognize that taking a moral inventory of our past, of our life, is the thing that we need to do to be released. Now, God, we just ask for you to get into this meeting. We ask you to touch the hearts of everyone that walks through these doors, reminding them of who they are and whose they are, so that when they leave, they can walk this thing out. We thank you for what you're about to do. Release something special in this atmosphere tonight to give the man of God to be able to speak with a clarity. We thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. Let everyone leave here different than the way they came in with a mindset to be successful and succeed in life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Let everyone say amen. All right. So he already tipped it to you. We're going to take a look at step four. But before we do that, is there anyone in the room that's never been here before? Any first time? Very good. So first of all, welcome. And let us warn you in advance, you'll be able to perceive us just a little different than other meetings of 12-step fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for a lot of years, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week, directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, yes? That's why there's so many other fellowships that have been formed based on this particular testimony. So what we do, because a lot of people don't know that, um, the fellowships of AA and all other fellowships are based on the experience described in this book. And in fact, this fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous was named after the book, not the other way around. So we want people to understand, sometimes they think going and sitting in a meeting means I'm in the program of AA, and that's simply a falsehood. You're not. You're in the fellowship of AA. The program of AA is described in this book, and the fellowship was named after the program, after it was successful, and they needed a name for the fellowship that was supported, supportive of the manner of living. Does that make sense? So we're trying to get you into a manner of living that works so that we can get you free of you, so you're free to be you. And to Chaplin's point, as you walk out of here in victory, as you get into this process, you know who you are and whose you are. And once you know those two things, you will walk victorious. Does it make sense? All right, so we're in step four, which the instruction begins in chapter five. And we're at the bottom of page 63 of the book. And the very last sentence, it says, next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. So I want to, how many of you have had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps and is in, in, endeavoring to work with others? A few of you. How many of you have at least considered taking a stab at running through the step experience? Good, a bigger percentage of you. Good. Okay, so how many of you have at least made an attempt at step four? Good, a bunch of you. How many of you that raised your hand would describe your first attempt at a step four as something less than a launching? Yes. So our, our endeavor here is to align our experience with theirs. So if they said next we launched, right after a third step decision, something must have empowered the launch. How many of you eventually did complete a step four and you're not sure why, but you suddenly were empowered to do so? 
Okay, well, I just want to introduce you to the idea that that power that empowered you to do so is the power we call God around here. Power. Oh, good. We got a bunch of veterans. When we say God, you say what? Power. There you go. And it, it, tangible demonstrations of that power is how we come to believe. Now, why do you think we have a come to believe step if there isn't a process through which we move in order to come, come to, come to believe? Right? Okay. So next we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. How many of you can relate to deciding to do better, make a better start, but never really took a thorough inventory of all the things that had held you back in the past? How many of you had a similar experience on the next launch eventually? So what we're trying to do is take the mystery out of the four-step. The reason why I would like to do a four-step, we'll disclose later, but if I've been having difficulty in creation, what I need to do is check in with creator. And what did they tell me blocked me, my consciousness of creator found within me? Calamity, pomp, worship, right? So I've got to identify those calamities, pomps, and worships that are blocking me off from the power within me, the power and purpose within me, so that I'm better able to connect and move in that power and purpose, yes? Okay, so the reason I'm gonna do a four-step inventory is not to tell you about me, but to tell me and him about me so that I can go in another direction with a clean slate. Yes? And I, when I say him, I mean capital H. Okay, all right, so Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. How many of you discovered in your active addiction a little period, a little window of clean time, and you realized that you're, you'd had a problem with the chemical, but it wasn't the main problem. Any of you sort of figure that out? Be, because for me, if that was the only problem, how come I kept returning to it? Does that make sense? There was something underlying. So if I really want it to be different this time, then I gotta get below the symptom to the cause and condition. You guys tired of treating symptoms? Because see, AA, the program, teaches, treats causes and conditions. It does not treat symptoms. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It's an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. Sorry I read so much because I know our attention spans are... <laughs> but all of it's contained in there, so we have to break it down after we've looked at the entirety because they, they gave us several points within what they did exactly, right? So the first thing they said was that, that it's a fact-finding and a fact-facing process, an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. How many of you have discovered that there can be sometimes a variation between your truth about me, my truth about me, and the truth about me? So, if I'm gonna get down to the truth, then I'm gonna to have to set aside my ideas and your ideas and just get to that fundamental idea found within me, the reason for which I was created, aren't I? So the way to get to the great reality within me so I can walk out in that power and purpose is to examine the calamities, pomps, and worships honestly, yes, and then face and be rid of. And of course, the ridding process is the rest of the steps, the making of amends, the growing in conscious contact, and using that past experience to help others. 
because the, the juice is in the helping others, but I can't help them if all I can tell them about is the same experience they know. I'm going to have to tell them of a radically different man than the one I'm describing. Yes? Okay. All right, so one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. They made the assumption that we were convinced that self manifested in various ways is what had defeated me. Why did they make that assumption? When did they ask me that before? Yeah, it was the essence of my third step decision, right? Self-manifested in various ways. And I know that's a weird word, we don't use it all the time, but how many of you noticed that you had a commitment to do one thing and then you ended up doing another? And maybe it was based on some image you wanted to hold or maybe it was completely unconscious. Did any of you have that happen? Well, that's when you're self-manifested, right? You knew what you wanted to do and you really did want to do it, but you didn't manifest the right action because self got involved. Okay, so we're still convinced that might be part of the issue? All right, then we can go further. So it says resentment's the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we've not only been mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. Now they're talking about them. If you have a problem with those words, don't, don't trip yet. Because you haven't, you haven't been delivered to the next level of experience yet, right? But what I learned is that I had a spiritual malady which caused these other abnormalities. Yes? And, and the thing I like people, if they really have a problem with all things spiritual, all of us know intuitively when we see an animal with matted fur out on the street, not looking up, kept upright, we know that animal's sick. Correct? Why do we know that, not know that about ourselves or our brothers and sisters when we see them out matted? Yeah. Why would we believe differently? Does it make sense? Yeah. Okay. All right, so when the spiritual maladies overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Now, how many of you have been delivered from the spiritual malady and all of a sudden started enjoying better emotional, mental, and physical health? Look at how many hands are up, guys. So this isn't some deep religious teaching. This is stuff we see and overlook. And the secret's still the same. The secret is one who has all power. That one is? Power. All right. All right, in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. Now, there are the we. How do you deal with resentments? On a <laughs> <laughs> Or in group or get the water cooler, whatever, right? We're used to bitching about our resentments. So one of the changed behaviors is about to be described, right? We set them on paper if we want to align our experience with theirs. Okay, we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, or personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened, so we were sore, we were burned up. And so they're describing the columns that you'll see if you've got a book, and, and they're suggesting, although sort of vaguely, that you wanna do those things in order. So it's, you know, find out what you're angry about, see what it affected, see, see if that's where your self manifests, right? Okay, it says on our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? So most of those things you understand, self-esteem's an idea I like to hold about me. I can have high self-esteem, I can have low self-esteem, but I'm still on the line of self. Does it make sense? So if you're thinking less of yourself, then you're denying God's idea for you. And if you're thinking more of yourself, then you're, right? So there's not a degree of self, it's just a self manifesting in an unhelpful way. Okay? Um, our security, all of us know what it feels like to have our security threatened. 
right? It may be emotional security, it may be financial insecurity. The closer the relationship, the more likely it is to affect your security, right? Um, it says our ambitions, that's my hope for future outcomes. How many of you have watched other people succeed and then just got angry because everyone gets it but me? <laughs> or they don't deserve it? Okay. And then personal and sex relations, self-explanatory, we don't need to get into that. Those are the kinds of things that will keep us trapped within ourselves and engaged in thinking it's not useful. Does it make sense? Okay. All right, so I'm going to jump to the bottom of that page. It said, we went back through our lives, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Why did they point that out? I'm only searching me, and I'm in the search for the truth. What did they tell me the first step in recovery was? I learned I had to fully concede to my innermost self. Can't do that based on a lie. I have to own it. I have to own it and walk out in it. Make sense? Okay. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. Why did they do that? Right? Just, just like the storekeeper they're describing. Why do I want all that broken shit on my shelves? I got 16 TVs. Joe, 17 of them are broken. Yeah, but I got them, boy. <laughs> Some of, some of you lived in that house with me. Huh? <laughs> Got it. That's why I didn't fix them. <laughs> I gotta find who they belong to sooner or later. All right. The first thing apparent was that the world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. How many of you got stuck there? Got just completely stuck in the wrongdoing of others? It's kind of a hopeless place to land, isn't it? The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Any of you relate to that? This is us aligning our experience with theirs. And the more we relate to this suffering, the more we should be empowered to want to go in and get free of all that nonsense, yeah? That's the point, because you're going to have to bring the want to. No matter who you're going through the step process with, the want to is coming through you. I'm not saying the want to is of you. God provides the want to, but you're going to have to be honest with God in order for that to happen. Make sense? All right. So sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore at ourselves. How many of you just decided that a good solitary self-flagellation was what you needed? I said flatulation on purpose. I, I wanted, some of these people are good with the vocabulary and they know that I was describing farting, Sean. <laughs> I should have said flagellation. <laughs> Sean wasn't gonna be rude or he, he was sleeping, I don't know. Okay, but the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. Any of you do that? Beat yourself and it still didn't help? And then things got worse around you. So it says our moments are, as in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. It's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. Now, these guys are describing an experience they've had. So if it is not plain to you that a life including deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness, it's only because you haven't done what they did. You don't have to stay stuck there. Right? But if you haven't done it, you don't have to believe it just on faith. You only have to believe that they believe it, that this is true testimony. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. All right. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the, the hours that might have been worthwhile? How many of you did not know that you were causing that? What did they say? We permit it. How many of you did not know you were permitting the squandering of happiness? in your life. That's the nature of delusion. People don't think they're delusional because they think it's a ha-ha. But I didn't know I was permitting it. I wasn't, didn't know that my suffering was at least in part 
being permitted by my hanging on to my grievance about something I survived. Does that make sense? But with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it's fatal. So if you've determined yourself to be an addict of the hopeless variety, an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, the rest of the world can hang on to their grievance, and I assure you they will. But if I feed into that, knowing myself to be this hopeless variety, I will die in my addiction, and it will be ugly. I don't get to pick the time. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you went with me energy-wise. You know how deep we were and how impossible it was. Yeah? Okay. So, for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the Spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again, and with us, the drink is to die. And a lot of you maybe didn't die in your addiction, but can you at least acknowledge that you were just a dead shell of a human out wandering the streets aimlessly wherever? Some of us did it in better streets than others, but it was pretty ugly wherever it was. One thing I know is it was ugly wherever it was because you don't end up in places like this unless it got ugly. So it says if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. That's what they concluded. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. Now they're talking about how they learned through their process that they were the ones who seeded that anger that they had. It was through grouch and brainstorm. When they talk about grouch, it's an old English word. It's just exactly what you think it is. It's going around griping all the time. How many of you woke up some days and there ain't nothing right and you just couldn't wait to tell some son of a bitch about it? And then the brainstorm, another old English word, it's simply a thought storm, but, but you know, it may be a sudden act of brilliance and then rush out without due consideration and maybe you get an outcome you didn't anticipate. And then the other thing could be sudden fits of rage. Any of you ever find yourself outside of yourself screaming at somebody like a maniac or maybe worse? Okay, those are not for us. Okay. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. So now they're differentiating me from normal men. And, and my, the differentiation is not that I drink and drug myself to death. The differentiation is the way I think. The main problem centers in the mind. The alcohol, the drugs, they were a symptom. The idea that I can control and enjoy my thinking is the great obsession of every abnormal thinker. Right? Okay, all right, so we turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. So what is on the list? The truth is on the list. What's the key to the future? The truth, not your truth. We tell all of you, I got to live my truth. Okay, I did that for a lot of years. I ended up under a bush. I got a swap for you. Live the truth. Take the facts to the truth. Walk out in power and purpose. All right, so we were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. How many of you learned that? Most of us in this crowd know something of it because we ended up in really compromised situations and a whole bunch of people had power over us, yeah? In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? So that's a question. When they go with a question mark in here, it's time to go inward. So how much of the wrongdoing of others is fancied? How many of you have found fault with something someone said or did? without ever knowing anything about them and decided, well, I'll just hate them and avoid the rush. And then eventually had the opportunity to meet them and found out that not only did you misunderstand them, but they were actually very good people and maybe you spent a lot of time imprisoned in your hatred and was completely misused. How many of you have had the same thing happen to you? So some percentage of all my, the wrongdoing of others is, is fancied in my mind because I've got a limited perspective, yes? 
and how much is real. Some percentage is real. We really were harmed by people and had no part in it, right? Okay. But they didn't differentiate about the outcome of either. So even if you were really harmed, or if it was fancied, the outcome is you dying a long, slow, painful death if you're one like me. Does that make sense? And if that's true, then trying to separate fancied from real is like trying to separate fly shit from pepper. It might be an interesting exercise, but no one wants to eat from either pile, right? Okay. So the answer, the question is, how could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? Another question, right? They're starting to demonstrate their earnestness to move into a solution, not just ask for a solution and then try and improve upon it, actually move into a solution, right? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So the very first response was to try and wish it away and then realize the attack was still there. Have you ever done that? I'm not mad at anyone. I'm just mad at me. (laughs) Did it provide any relief? I mean, we say silly things like that, but it's because we don't want to own our part. And even if my part is just unforgiveness, who am I to judge? given where I ended up. Anyway, all right. So it says, this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. So that may be a stretch if you're having trouble with the whole idea of a spiritual manner of living, but we got to get you past that. So, you know, I might as well, if I'm going to give myself a little grace and say that I've been sick, then perhaps they too have been spiritually sick. The world and its people are often quite wrong, they told me. All right, so though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. Now they gave us a clue to what they've learned. What are their symptoms? Resentment, fear, guilt, shame, remorse. Any of you agree with Sean? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, guilt, shame, remorse, all those things I identified by myself. That's still the lens that I see the world through because I see through my thoughts. I think I see through my eyes, but I don't. I see through my thoughts. See how confusing it is? I don't know whether I'm seeing their selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, guilt, shame, and remorse on my own. There's another book that says, how do you see the speck in your brother's eye? When you can't see the plank in your own eye. Better you should remove the plank from your eye so you can better see to help your brother. Huh, the plank in your eye from that old text is your perspective. And the AAs all these years later are simply telling you the same thing. We need to change your perspective. Okay. Okay, so it says, here's what they did. We asked God. Oh, that was weak. Let's try that one more time. We ask God. That's so much better. They heard you in Texas. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. That's an earnest prayer. I'm in a difficult situation or I'm going into a difficult situation. God, show me how to show them power, patience, pity. Right? In other words, God, let let me show them you. Does that resonate with anybody? Some of you, I'm feeling it resonate with some of you. Let them see you in me. Right? I'm trying to talk to my religious friends and my atheist and agnostic friends because this is not that kind of book. This is a testimony of people, half of which were atheists or agnostics, radically delivered by this power they discovered within them. Okay? All right, so when a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man, how can I be helpful to him? Question, how can I be helpful to him? And then they said, God save me from being angry, thy will be done. Power, save me from being angry, thy will be done. You will grow in this and you will understand that you will still experience anger but not act in anger because prayers are answered on the fly. How many of you even know that? 
How many of you were always the first one to fly into a rage and rip someone's head off and all of a sudden found out you still thought like you but acted better than you? We got to call that to people's attention because they think it's something mystical instead of something actually tangible that they can wrap their head around and grow into. All right, so it says we avoid retaliation or argument. Did they say they were successful? Well, they avoided it. They tried to stay conscious, right? God save me from being angry. God save me from being angry. God save me. Thy will be done. Yes? You ever wonder what God's will is? Whatever's going on, that's God's will. We hear people, God's will and my will. No. God's will has no opposite. There's God's will and your opposition to it. That's it. Now, you may have to get changed in your mindset in order to move into it, and you may be the change agent for something, some injustice in the world, but you ain't changing nothing you're judging because remember how you see things right through your judgments. Okay. All right, so we avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. Have you ever thought you were being helpful and said something to someone that enraged them instead of inspired them? It's easy to do, isn't it? You know, you really shouldn't drink like that. You know, you really shouldn't feel that way. You ever heard anyone say that to you? Yeah, fuck you. I know I shouldn't feel that way. I'm powerless to feel any other way. Anyone relate to what I'm trying to say? We think we're being helpful by pointing out the obvious. That suffering's suffering in all its many flavors. They don't need my observation piling on. They need my understanding. Okay, so if we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people. But at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. That's a promise we should cling to. Both parts. You can't be helpful to everyone, but you're not the judge of which ones you can't. So take a kindly and tolerant view. Walk consciously in the world with your God. And if you'll do that, you'll be surprised at how many you can affect. And at a minimum, you'll be greatly affected. Right? Because all the healing you're offering out is flowing through you. So even if they don't receive the healing, you did. Does that make sense? Okay. So referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Resolutely. Lance points out resolutely. He's a facilitator around here, so that important word must mean something. What do they mean by Resolutely. And I'm going to have to stay focused, right? When they want me to look at my own part, I'm going to have to focus on my part because I would love to spin it and make some part of it yours. But I don't get free until I own me, right? Okay. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Notice how they chased it all the way back to the fear that stole my identity in the first place. And they tell you how self-manifest, all driven by fear. Self-manifest driven by fear. I'm not good enough or I'm better than that. Either way, it starts to cause a self to manifest. And I start behaving in self-seeking ways and it produces a selfish condition. Does it make sense? Okay. So, though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? So now I... That person harmed me greatly. I had no part in the original harm, perhaps, but I've still got to get back. If I've survived all that, I've got to get back to what's causing my loss of identity. Because knowing who I am and whose I am, I can't go out and abuse the temple of the inhabitant of this temple. Does that make sense? All right, so the inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. So they're telling us we already had those other three columns, and now I'm going down and I'm starting to find my part in all those things. Does that make sense? We admitted our wrongs honestly, and we're willing to set these matters straight. Now, they talked about an attitudinal change. When I admitted to myself honestly, I then was willing. There's another 
book that says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, I didn't have willingness until I owned it. Does that make sense? Notice it's not enough to know the truth. It's not enough to hear the truth. I've got to know the truth and then believe and walk out in it, right? Walk out in the power that I, I get from that, that willingness, right? Okay. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve, but did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? That's a question we got to go chase back. Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. So think about all the ways fear has caused trouble for you, stolen joy from you, stolen time from you, stolen opportunity from you. How many of you pretended to be something so well that you really didn't believe yourself to be that everyone else around you started to believe it? And then you felt pigeonholed in a role you never wanted in the first place. So those fears are important. It says, we, we, refered our, we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them. In the deep dive into fears, think about the fears that have driven you all your life, even prior to active addiction, if you have any memory of that. And think about what they were with no resentment and connection with them. How many of you have had fears of, maybe I'm going to miss something? Where's my, where's my drinkers? This is one I learned about me a long time ago. Any of you, when you're just really sick enough, you should be in the hospital, but you're sitting at the bar one more night in a row, all night, just you and the bartender, but you don't want to go home, because if you do, you might miss something. How many of you sat at the trap house doing the same thing? How many of you could never commit in an intimate relationship because you never knew when the one that you really wanted was coming? Everything all right? So what we're getting at is there may be a lot of things that were stolen from you and it wasn't other people that stole it from you. It was you and your own limited thoughts based on those fears. Does it make sense? You, you just, you, you, you missed the perfect whatever because of the idea that there was still something better. All right, so we ask ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? So they're starting to unpack them. This may not fit for you, but how many of you have tried recovery a time or two before? How many of you have had struggles? So you get to the idea of why would I do that again? Okay. How many of you thought you were doing it? I don't pick up no matter what. How many days you got? 29. <laughs> Planning a cruise. The essence of the third step is if there's anything I could do about it, I'd have done it by now. I wouldn't have ended up in a club like this if there was a damn thing I could do through self-reliance. Okay. So whatever experience I've had in the past, if I'm in this new relationship, if I'm carefully following instructions, it ain't going to go like that. I'm going to come out different. Okay. So all of you that have struggled, I'm telling you, if you will do what the book says, not read it, not quote it, not sit in rooms and hear people's opinion about it, if you will just get armed with the facts about yourself, grow in conscious relation, put your past to use, you will never be this guy again. Amen. Promise you. Someday I'll tell you my story. There weren't too many people betting on me, I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, they were betting on me, but the other way. Um, hush on. 
Um, so, some of us, oh, self-reliance failed. Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. So they're acknowledging the experience of fear without acting in fear. How many of you have had that experience? Come on, I'm sitting in a room full of gangsters. I mean, I know not all of you, but I know a lot of you. You know what it is to feel fear but not act in fear, or at least not act in people's typical, stereotypical idea of what fear will do, right? So what we're telling you is there is a power within you that will allow you to face life successfully. And all those fears that no one acknowledges they have. You think we don't wake up and doubt all of us that are doing other things now? Absolutely we do. You know what? I, I embrace doubt because without doubt, I can't demonstrate the faith I walk in. Right? Why would faith be such a valuable commodity if doubt wasn't a present force? How many of you heard rumors about new freedom a month ago, two months ago? How many of you saw us running around here scared? We were fucking scared to death. <laughs> but we didn't show it, did we, chat? Perhaps there's a better way. We think so, for we're now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. That's the difference, guys. A hundred percent difference between victory and failure is my reliance upon God. See, I can't fail if I don't quit. And one thing I know about this God I serve is he don't quit. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We're in the world to play the role he assigns. How many of you would have to admit, this is their story, we're in the world to play the role he assigns. How many of you have to admit sometimes it feels like you got kind of a shitty assignment? <laughs> so, indeed, many of us did. But tell me this, who is better to play the part that is your life than you? There is not a human being on the planet better to play you than you. You've been perfectly prepared for the power and purpose you're about to walk out of here in. There are thousands of men and women who need to meet you so they too can get free. And if not you, then who? Just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? So that's a warning and a promise. I will be able to walk in the world in victory, and it will not be without calamity. But calamity is a different experience when I know that victory is assured. Trust me on this. Take you back to what we went through in the end of last year. Guess what? 200 plus of our employees didn't have anything more going for them than that either. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And the member rolls are going down and down and down. And you guys on the yard are getting letters from us. Yeah, it's going to be fine. DOC said, no, you can't go there, the freaking crooks. <laughs> We're like, hey, don't sweat it. We've been through tougher shit than this. I'm just telling you guys, we walked through it and you walked through it and here you are and here we are and we're glad, glad you're here. We're stronger than we've ever been. We're opening the Women's Center in the next couple months. We're open, yeah, it's, you guys bet on it. We never apologize for anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it's the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. Oh, we got to do that again. They trust their... We never apologize for God. You guys are way off tonight. Is it too many? Should we get an orchestra leader in here? 
Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commenced to outgrow fear. Guys, get that right. We often ask, what do I do? What do I do? It's the wrong question. You're not the doer. You're a human being, not a human doing. The doer will do through you, and all he needs from you is to be in the right state of being. And how I get in that, it may be willing, it may be quiet, it may be patient, it may be faithful, it may be loving. But if I'll be those things, the doer will use me in every difficult circumstance to his advantage. And since I'm on team God, I want to do things to his advantage. Okay. All right. So now about sex. It got quiet. (laughs) Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here, we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes, perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. And then we have the voices who cry for sex or more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, or who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it, or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. How many of you would have to admit, on self-analysis, you may have found yourself in both camps from time to time? Yeah, Yeah, because the human condition, like, when I'm coming out of a bad relationship, (laughs) not, you know, procreation only. (laughs) I don't want any more of those crazy somebody's around. (laughs) And if I'm in a good one or I'm out feeling froggy, not enough of it. Ain't the right kind. Where's my, where's my meth addicts? Woo! Leathers and feathers, baby. <laughs> so they said we were extreme examples. If you can find yourself on both ends of a straight line, that's pretty extreme. And, and then it tells you that that's just another symptom of this malady. Does it make sense? I'm trying to feed the flesh instead of the spirit. I'm just talking about what what I'm trying to do on my growth path, not talking about right and wrong. I was never supposed to eat of that tree. What I'm supposed to do is decide which team I'm on and start growing either spiritually or in the flesh and see what I reap. Make sense? Okay. One school would, would allow man no flavor for his fare. The other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. Now, the important instruction follows. We want to stay out of this controversy. Why do I want to stay out of that controversy? No human can be the arbiter. Well, they can be, but we're not very good at it. <laughs> we do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. And then it says, we all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. That's a problem. And I, and I appreciate your honesty. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to solicit in here, bunny. <laughs> we got rules. Joe, tame your woman. So what can we do about him? We reviewed our, set, our own conduct over the years past. So what I can do about being disturbed by thoughts about sex conduct is to review my own thoughts. Because I'm going to have to look at my own judgments and where they come from. Does that make sense? Where have we been selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. I would like to point out to you that that's kind of the essence of your 10th step for a lifetime is just inventorying relationships and your thoughts about relationships. It's not just about sex, it's about all relationships. Does that make sense? So, um, and then it says, in this way we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. So we should ask, does everyone hope for a future sex life? Four of you. 
The rest of you are lying. So what they... That's still a switching of hands. It's, you know, it's, it's something. Yeah, we, we're losing the whole thing. Um, so they're telling you why they do the inventory is they're hoping for a sane and sound ideal for all their future relationships. I don't know why anyone in the human race doesn't want to do this when they realize the outcome is a sane and sound ideal for all my future relationships. Because I have difficulty in lots of relationships, not just sexual. I have relationships with money that get outsized. I have relationships with power and prestige that get outsized. I have relationships with people that have nothing to do with any intimate encounter. Just They represent things that I have trouble with. And I, and I don't interact with them other than in my thought life. <laughs> so here I am suffering, and I'm not even getting the benefit of watching them die from it. <laughs> so I want a sane and sound ideal. What's my business, what's not? Pretty much none of it's mine except what's going on in my thinker. And if it's not useful, everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Thank you, Lord, deliver me. Right? Okay. So we subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals. Oh, that was good. Let's try one more time. We asked God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. So now I'm growing in the tangible effects of God. I've got these ideals that I haven't been able to keep in the past, but now I've got a component, consciousness of presence within me. And I ask that power within me to mold those ideals and help me live up to them. So instead of me having an ideal for you that I act contrary to, I'm actually going to have my own ideals, not the yours for me or mine for you, but I'm going to try and live up to who I hope to be and see how that turns out for me this time. Does that make sense? Okay. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good neither to be lightly used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. So don't live in the guilt, shame, and remorse. And don't be overly indulgent for frivolous reasons because these are good powers. Use them accordingly. Does that make sense? According to the ideal you've set for yourself, not something that's handy. You're going to have to search fearlessly and figure out what's really caused the suffering you've endured. Right? Okay. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. See, I can't get access to that power, that divine power called willingness. People don't tell us that enough. They ask for willingness in prayer because willingness is divine power. It wasn't until I discovered this power within me that I was able to act in the way I intended on a more high, consistent time. Does it make sense? And that power I learned later is what recovery people call willingness and what religious people call God. Does that make sense? It's righteousness. Okay? All right, so we must be willing to make amends where we've done harm, provided we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. When they say must in here, they're not saying must as a rule. They've already told us it's suggestive. They're saying it's a no-brainer. I've uncovered this. The solution to what I've uncovered to get down to the face and be rid of is to keep moving forward, right? Okay? So, in other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. So now they're just clever. You don't need to worry about sex. Is just one of the many ways that we get ourselves in pickles, right? So in meditation, we ask God what we, what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. So I got this inventory. I'm going to go through this, the story with somebody, and I... I'm getting this ideal out the other side of that, and on the other side of that, I want to enjoy this newfound power within me in every decision, right? And I'm going to get answers in every situation, because remember, they asked, what should I have done instead? Not what did I do instead in the past, but what should I have done instead? So I knew the right answer, but I didn't act in the right answer. Now, if I want a different outcome, knowing and doing need to be aligned. And sometimes I kept doing the same thing I knew and I did, and I didn't get the right outcome because it wasn't the right thing. 
So I want it enjoined with this power, and this power then is going to empower that to go. Does it make sense? Okay. So the right answer will come if we want it. What if we don't want it? The right answer will still come. That's when you're in an argument with yourself. You ever get an answer to a sticky question and got the answer and thought, oh, no, no, no. I've got a far better answer than that. Okay, so they're still allowing for our humanity, but the reality is at some point, if I really want it, what? Where's my biblical people? We must worship in spirit and in truth. The AA said, we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves. Same message, many years later, never changed. Can't lie to the power within me and expect the outcome I desire. Okay. God alone can judge your good. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with other persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. So you're going to talk to people. Sometimes we go opinion shopping. You ever do that? So they got a they got a trap for that. You're still going to take it to the power within you. And then you're going to if you're smart and you don't want to have a funny testimony later. You'll, you'll ignore what all the people who agreed with you told you and follow the power within you. Nice. Guys, I'm talking to you guys, many of you, I know your history, generally, specifically in some cases. You're going to have a lot of people trying to hold you back to what you've always been, and you are not what you've always been. You are so much more than that. And... and so you, you're going to have to you're going to have to ignore that chatter about what they think they know about you because they have not been introduced to who you are today and whose you are and that empowered walk that you're going to walk out of here in. You can't hang out in these halls for 90 days and not be changed. We've made declarations over this place. It can't happen. We bring people in here from the community all the time, and the first thing they remark, not just the religious community, everyone, wow, what does that feel? That is the Holy Spirit. It, it bathes our men and women and prepares them for the rest of their life. Believe it. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. You ever worry about not getting it perfect? How many of you had a few goes at not getting it perfect? Pretty much everybody. And yet here we are. Does this mean we're going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but it's only a half truth. It depends on us and our motives. If we're sorry for what we've done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and will have learned our lesson. If we're not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. We're not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. So remember, this is their collective experience. It's not for me to judge you. It's not my judgment if you do the same thing twice that that's a choice. Nonsense. I did the same thing twice for 30 fucking years. I I had no choice at all. I was an addict. It's to completely deny mental illness. But there is a healer for mental illness. And we'd like to call your attention to that healer. And then we'd like to demonstrate his nature through us. So if you'll let us love you and let us support you and empower you and encourage you to be authentic, I assure you, regardless of whether you have bad behaviors, you will get well and you will walk out of here victorious. Does it make sense? To sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and for strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. I'm gonna stop with this one thought. There's nothing more important to this than humbling yourself enough to ask someone to help you 
And then as soon as you get past four and start prosecuting your amends, the big amends you're getting fit for is helping others. Show somebody else what you've been shown. You want to get free quick? Don't count the number of people you help. They're not, they're not trophies, and if they are, they ain't your trophies. All right, thank you very much.